Welcome to the first interview for About Your Mother, where your story begins with Rhonda Moulton. Rhonda is an interior designer and a dear friend. One of the reasons I wanted to invite Rhonda on the show is because when I met her in college many years ago, she was clear on who she wanted to be. What I would learn later was that her childhood and living with a single mother was the reason she knew at a very young age exactly what she wanted to be. Enjoy the show. Hello, guests. I want to introduce you to my dear friend from college, Rhonda Moulton. She's an award-winning designer. We have collaborated not only as friends, but she's helped me decorate my house. She's someone who loves shopping and I don't. (laughs) And she is just an all-around, very spiritual and grounded person. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have Rhonda as my first guest is because when I met her at the young age of 20, that Rhonda knew who she wanted to be. And it took me decades to figure out who I wanted to be. But at a young age, Rhonda was just very clear about the direction her life was going and who she wanted to be. And you'll be inspired by the experiences she had in her life that led her there. So Rhonda, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you and be your first guest. I can't even believe it. You are. It is. And I can't think of a better first guest. So Rhonda, we obviously know each other. So let's start with your life from the beginning. Tell me about your childhood. You were raised by a single mom. Tell me more about that and the impact that it had on you. Yeah. So my parents separated when I was about three and divorced when I was five. So I really don't have any memory of them together. I do have memories of myself playing a lot by myself, and we lived in an apartment building. My mom was actually pretty happy, it seemed like at the time, and but still not really like a player of you know little games and things like that. So we had a lot of time where we would spend laughing, or I was jumping on her bed, or she'd be getting getting ready for a date. But then I also heard a lot of like the world doesn't revolve around you and you need to learn to entertain yourself. And so I did. I played a lot by myself. I have one memory of actually being out in the parking lot of our apartment complex where I created my own little galaxy spaceship on my tricycle and I would ride around. And of course, you wouldn't let kids do that today. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds fun. I wish we could ride around on galaxy spaceships these days. I know. Go play in the woods. Go do those things. Yeah. So in, you know, a lot of ways it was really great. I never had any major trauma. She was a good mama bear, but I also grew up pretty lonely. And I think as I got older, I witnessed her, what I would say is depression that I think she still has. And so it became more stressful watching her as I grew up because she was becoming mom and dad. And she felt the responsibility of, of course, taking good care of me. But I then didn't get to have the practice of messing up and making mistakes and learning from those things. So I sort of created that, oh, I'm perfect. And I get all good grades and I get, you know, I don't do anything wrong. But that was a joke because I did. I just learned to to hide it and manage it in a way that maybe I wish I didn't have to do, right? To feel the heavy weight of um, all of that. So I remember being in elementary school and thinking, what am I going to be? They had like a career day in sixth grade. And I was like, oh, I could be an interior designer. And I had spent many nights in my room, rearranging my room while my parents argued. My mom was remarried for a little bit of time when I was 
like in third to seventh or eighth grade. So I would create my space. I'd play at night, played a lot of Barbies where I just had, again, a lot of alone time. And so then at career day was like, oh, I could be an interior designer and I could have high, you know, I could have famous clients. I could make a good living. It all sounded really fun and exciting and kind of out there. So that kind of always stuck with me. There was also a split felt, Oh, sorry. It probably already no. also felt different than your experience because here you were, yes. right? Yeah. With your mom. And obviously yes. it wasn't all bad. That's not certainly what you're trying to say, but that as right. you matured, you started to see that she was alone and the weight was on her shoulders. Yeah. She remarried yep. for a brief period. Yeah. Yes. And it was paycheck to paycheck and not a lot of exciting trips or, I mean, she did what she, she could, but it still wasn't, nothing was over the top. And so I definitely learned, like, I don't want to have debt. I don't want to, it sort of flew, it, it catapulted into the fact that I knew early on that I didn't want to have kids because I didn't really enjoy being a kid. Mm. I didn't enjoy feeling the weight of feeling like at certain points I was the parent as we grew up more together. I didn't want to be a single parent. I could see, right, all of the parts and pieces and I wasn't close to my dad growing up. So it wasn't it wasn't that it was super bad. It just wasn't it wasn't great either. Yeah. So so because uh, it sounds like some of your first memories, obviously it was the two of you together and then she had a brief marriage with um I, what's uh-huh. the name or forget his name Vince Vince yeah Vince yeah I, you could say it scowling you can scowl about Vince <laughs> yeah. and then that ended when you were a teenager is that right yeah so they were probably together from when I was eight till 14 so kind of those you know developmental years. years absolutely yes yes and then this idea of that the care the self-care that you now do for yourself extremely well, which I want to hear more about it. And your point of view is really formed from those years of watching your mother struggle, Mm -hmm. single married and then single again. Yep. And she always wanted, I still feel this way about her. Like she wants the best for me. She wants to know that I'm having a great life and that's her pride and I'm her pride and joy, but it's never been about her taking good care of herself. So selfless, but then also not not a good example of how to take care of yourself and have self-love. And I feel like she still has depression. So I can see her still battle with that. And her patterns are all there from when I was young. So it kind of instilled like, I, I'm going to take really good care of myself, whether it's mind, body, spirit. I'm going to make sure I marry one time and I'm married forever. I'm going to have a career also that I love because my mom didn't. So. Yeah. So watching, <laughs> watching her was taught you what not to do, right. In some yeah. ways and, or what yeah. you didn't want for yourself because you can yeah. see that the shortcomings that it was for her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think well, I remember meeting you and my parents were getting divorced. And so I was estranged from my father and you were mostly estranged from your father for a long period. And then my, mm-hmm. I remember my mom was, newly single after 20 years. And it was really hard to watch that transition for her. And I definitely felt like I was no longer daughter. I was more mm. her friend and her someone trying to lift her up. You became her 
uh, advisor. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I wonder if that's just something that happens a lot in these types of situations, right? Where the Mm -hmm. children are left more so with the mom and watching the, you know, women struggle and maybe women that are coming out of a generation that don't have or weren't pushed to have their own careers and money and things like that. Yeah, totally. So tell me more about, so the things that you pulled together from this childhood experience, tell me more about that and what that journey has been like. I remember sort of these fun, carefree moments. And I remember like my mom actually taking me to this Buddhist. She was always wanting to try something, but she would only do it one time and it never went anywhere. But like we went to this Buddhist, it's not church, but it's a temple temple but then it was in someone's house and they were doing chanting and so that was one thing that stood out in my mind because I thought oh that's so weird and there's incense and that just smells funny and I also took ballet as a little girl and so I would go run up peek up the stairs and look at the belly dancers up there and I just thought oh they're so weird and what is that smell they have incense you know <laughs> what are they burning is that yeah or is that <laughs> <laughs> and you know, thinking I couldn't really talk to her about it because she wasn't sharing the experiences in terms of let's have a conversation and explore. It was more like I would just sort of witness her trying something and then being done with it. But when I look back now, I'm like, she is the reason that I was open to so many things that Mm -hmm. I actually really love about myself. So not that I have a particular spiritual practice, but I do feel like spirituality is really important to me. And whether you connect with God or source or light, whatever you want to call it, Buddha, it's taking that time to be grounded and to really connect to yourself and to that higher power. And right now, for me, prayer is super important. And sometimes it's meditation and sometimes it's setting intentions. So it kind of moves around a little bit for me too, but then I like being open to all of that. So in the aspect that I didn't have necessarily a religious mom, but she would take me, we once a year would go to a non-denominational church or, you know, she was trying to fit it in, but yeah. yeah. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about mothers is that they can open doors for you, even Mm -hmm. if they don't open them for themselves. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that's true with so many people is that your mother started the direction, even if they didn't pursue it themselves, right? right? They planted the seed and then they let you run with it. Right. So yes, as a mother myself, you know, you hope that you do some things, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Unlock the door. And it doesn't mean you became a master of that thing or you didn't become perfectionist in a certain area, but you at least opened the door for them. I love that. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then tell me, I love that she started these things for you and just planted the seeds. Yep. And of course you picked them up, but also tell me about, you know, in sixth grade, uh, you know, I've had two careers and maybe I'll have three, right. <laughs> but right. in sixth grade, you knew what you wanted to be. And I just think that is so awesome. And that it's something yeah. that has satisfied you all those years, maybe not all yeah. the time, but tell me more about that, how your yeah. childhood launched you to being a designer. And then also how this whole spiritual side of you is connected to your work because I think that's super important in life. Yeah. Yeah. It does really make you feel like you have purpose when you can blend those two. So from sixth grade, then, you know, I kind of went through junior high and high school. Then I remember I never babysat. 
I was, again, couldn't stand kids. I didn't want to be around them. <laughs> I, I think I babysat one time and I was like, yeah, no, thanks. Honestly, um, gosh, so- Rhonda, I did too. I babysat one time. I'm like, I'm not that girl. I'm just not that teenage girl. I'm not that cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then I had like one job at a, I mean, little time, you know, I had like for a week, I worked at a bakery and then for probably a couple of years in high school, I worked at a, it was Orange Julius slash Mocha Tree. Um, Ooh, those so were good. It was good. Yeah. And then somebody asked me, where are you going to go to college? And my mom always said, you're going, like I didn't have an option. So there again, she was pushing Did she go to college? She did not. So it was really important to her that I did go. Yep. And I wanted that experience too. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to be an interior designer. So then I, my junior year, or I guess the summer after my junior year of high school, I opened the phone book and I was like, I'm going to see if I like this. I'm going to go work for a designer. And I opened the phone book and I went through all the, the whole directory calling people and then the very last one that I called was the one that said, well, actually, my receptionist is going back to college and we're going to need somebody. And her name was Barbara Leland, Barbara Leland Interior Design. She's still practicing designer. Wow. And so I went and worked with her and was her receptionist and sample librarian. So my senior year, senior year of high school. And then... I worked for her through college on breaks, Christmas break, summer break, all of that. And then my first year out of college, I worked for her still. So I had her and two other designers in her office were really amazing mentors for me. And we had a great time. I learned a lot. So there was never a point where I thought, this isn't for me. Never any doubts as you've been in this career? No. I don't know that I'm the end-all, be-all, best designer. Of course, there's not just one perfect person for everybody. But I think my heart for it is big and that uh, my perseverance to want it to do better. And and then the spiritual connection that I feel like I have with my clients is really, sometimes I think, oh, you know, we all have moments where we go, is this right? Should I be doing this? And then it's just solidified by that connection and the uh, somebody saying, oh my gosh, thank you. And I would never have would never have thought about that that way or whatever. So it's kind of worked out. So, yeah. yeah. And you've, yeah. And you've pursued it with passion and look, there's no best of anything, right? But if you're passionate about something, then it's going to, you're going to be satisfied with it. Tell us some design stories. Tell us, you know, cause you're going into people's places, sacred places. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Tell us a, tell us a good experience and one that was maybe challenging because of the energy that people had that you were working with. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the, what I am doing when I go into a space is I'm reading the energy. I'm reading the energy of the person. I do feel empathic. And then I also am reading, of course, the energy of where they have things set up. So it does feel very much so like it's doing energy work because as you move things around, it, it shifts how it feels and it clearly affects the client right away. You can tell. For the most part, you know, energy attracts energy. And so the clientele that I have, it really is a nice, smooth transition. There's always the kind of look at the big picture, what can inspire somebody. A lot of times people have a hard time spending money or changing things because they don't really realize how much it affects them and how just moving things around can make you feel better. And then 
allowing yourself to spend money on yourself can change how you feel about yourself. And so maybe things that I take for granted really do make a big shift for others in ways that I don't even think about. And so, and I'm going to probably go off on a little bit of different tangents here. So there's that regard where it really is like helping somebody see what is possible and opening them up to it. And that is really rewarding. And in the end is probably like one of my, my favorite things about it. If I've had a bad design experience, and I definitely have had a couple, but it's typically if a husband and wife or partnership really shouldn't be together. So there's some kind of battle going on with them where they don't want to allow the other person to just have their way or make the decisions and it's like a power struggle. Mm-hmm. So that's tough because you're like, well, maybe you... the design isn't going to help. <laughs> <laughs> you can make a real pretty house. Like get, yeah. <laughs> and you don't get to get anywhere because nothing happens. It gets stagnant and then it just sort of fizzles. And they're stuck. I guess away is the yeah. Yeah, too experiences with that. So, I mean, I think it's a big undertaking, probably no matter what size project you do, small or large to Mm -hmm. help people, you know, shape their homes is, you know, I'm sure some people are resistive and some people are like, you know, blank check book, which was probably super fun. Uh Yeah. People to do things that make them uncomfortable is always, you know. Yeah. So it's the same, whether it's a small project or large. And again, because like attracts like, it does feel like they're ready for the, for the ride, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're wanting something. So they're ready good. for the boost. Full disclosure, Rhonda helps my husband and I decorate our house, like I said, and I don't enjoy spending money, but I love it when Rhonda gets me to spend money because <laughs> I like the end result. <laughs> and we've um, done some cool things. We've done some pretty cool things. Yes. We'll put those in the, on the <laughs> website if you guys want to take a look. But what I'm reminded of when you tell those stories is of you, that direct connection to you as a little girl in your room shifting your room around to change how you feel. So anybody out there, I think if you're stuck, just moving some things around every once in a while can change the flow and open up new ideas. I love it. I love how it's linked. Okay. I do want to touch on this. Now you mentioned this before. So another thing that came out of your childhood is knowing that you did not want to have kids. Yes. That was absolute. Never, never wavered. Nope. And then you fell in high school. Yeah. In high school. And then you fell in love to your husband, Tyler, and Tyler has a son. So you (laughs) came and and full disclosure, Rhonda and I are both bonus parents. So I have two bonus kids and Rhonda has a bonus kid. So rather than having your own child, you did the bonus parenting route. So, I mean, that's a brave leap for anybody who listens. Being a bonus parent is not always easy. Um, Parenting in general is not easy uh, at times. It's beautiful and lovely but bonus parenting can be a challenge at times. So tell us more about that, about how you got to that place. Yeah. Because that's transformational. (laughs) It was. I remember dating at the time. Of course, I knew I was going to be older than my friends to get married. I think I was 31 by the time I married. And I was dating all these guys, reading through the masses, and I just wasn't finding that guy. And there was this guy who is now my husband who was kind of, you know, we had met in our twenties and, um, he instantly liked me and started asking me out, but I was like, no, nope, you're too young and you have a kid. And he was three and a half years younger than I was. And he had had a son when he was 17. 
Oh, baby. So he was a baby. And I just thought, no way I'm not marrying a guy with who's younger than me and has a kid. Well, eventually, I think three years later after meeting him, something just shifted where I looked at him and I thought, actually, he's a really good dad. He stuck around when he didn't have to. And that's really why I fell in love with him because he could, I could look at him and see the hole that my dad had left me and that he hadn't left for his son. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it kind of just made me evaluate, like reevaluate, like what, what are the things that I really want in a person that are important? Mm -hmm. So I definitely was scared out of my mind. I remember reading this book and it said, if this person that you are thinking about dating isn't everything you think you want, run for the hills because step parenting is hard. (laughs) And I remember he had gone away for a weekend and came back and I was bawling and I had read this book and I was like, I mean, are we really serious? And he was like, yeah, we are. And so, and I also had another friend tell me at the time, which really made an impact. She said, people do not leave because of the kids. They leave because the relationship isn't working. I, yes, agree. Yeah. So yeah, when I heard, when I really thought about it that way, I was like, okay, I mean, I'm smart. I can do this. And it just kind of proceeded from there. And we did have him almost half time, not, not quite, but it was a lot. It definitely wasn't Disneyland dad time. He was eight when we all moved in together, eight or nine. And he's now 26. Wow. And um, <laughs> I wouldn't fast. trade any of it. But at the time, and you know, for a long time, I was like, this yeah. sucks. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I don't know about this guy. It's challenging. I mean, it's challenging, like I said, raising kids. and it's, yeah, But, it, you know, step parenting adds just this whole different layer to it. And I think it's so mm-hmm. on point what your friend said, because if you have a good marriage, it's true. The kids are not going to be the reason that the marriage ends, right? right? And, and so right. that's, I think, what a lot of people fear. But if you have a weak union, then yeah. certainly, you know, that could be, it, it's certainly one of those situations where I think what they say is, if you make it five years in a blended family, you're going to be oh. okay. So the first oh, five okay. years are really the most critical for the blend. Yeah. And then you make it afterwards, but who knows? I mean, theories Yeah. Too. But yeah, it's been a rewarding sure. experience for you. And I think the connection that you make to Tyler and your dad, do you want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that in terms of, you know, your dad was pretty absent for most of your childhood, correct? Yes. Yes. So in the beginning, I actually was really... I remember one night just crying about it. Like here is a a man who was 17 and had a kid and here he is still with his son, has stood by the whole time and active father and a great father. And why couldn't my dad be there for me? So not really understanding all the dynamics and people are doing the best they can, but it, it was hard actually to even move past that. I definitely felt like a Stint of jealousy for my stepson in that regard, like how lucky you are, and you don't even know it, and yeah, that kind of a little bit. Um, but then I always knew again that I the re- part of the reason I didn't want to have kids was because I knew it was such a huge job and a selfless job and an important job, and so just like with everything I do, I feel like I take it on and I want to do the best that I can do. So I took it serious. I feel like I took it a little too serious. It could have been a little bit more free flow fun at times, but 
That's okay. I also <laughs> had the lessons that I had the, you know, I had my mom who was my role model and that's what I fell into, which is all, what we all do. And it's, mm-hmm. you don't even know you're doing it as you're doing it too. So you don't. But I also had a lot of great mentors and people to talk to and share and get good insight from and all of that. So, well, you've done an awesome job and Thank you. yeah, and overcome some hurdles along the way. And of course mm-hmm. we can always do things differently. I think in hindsight, but you've done such a good job and Tyrell's such a cutie. Yeah. And I can't he believe is. he's 26 already. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he's an amazing young man and we have a really good relationship like the relationship that I always hoped for yeah. and I could see down the road. But at the time I was like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So. And I think too, also just to share with listeners, cause we yeah. both married men that had children. I think um, you do see the honor in the men that stay, right? Mm-hmm. It's very easy, especially for men in our society, not as much more, but that, you know, at 17, you're right. Ty- Tyler could have gone and said, I'm too young for this. And I'm out. Yeah. But he was yeah. an active father his whole time. And I think, you know, part of one of the reasons I fell in love with Mark is because he was such a great dad. And that, yeah. And he, that's what he was going to be, was a great dad, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. No matter exactly. other mistakes he made in his life. Right. I just think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and I think that's a thing that a lot of us should fall in love with, you know, even if they're mm-hmm. not, if, even if it doesn't build an ideal, quote unquote, ideal family. Right. Right. And the other great thing about step parenting really is if you haven't had kids together yet, mm-hmm. you get to see what kind of parent they are because you don't know that until you do it, right? It's always that unknown, like, oh, I didn't know you were gonna <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were that kind of dad. Hmm, yeah. Not so sure anymore. <laughs> you get to take you get to do a test drive. I exactly. Love it. So you certainly based on your childhood, would have some things to forgive and accept. How have you chartered forgiveness in your life with your mom and your dad? What does that process look like for you? I think it's been an evolution and that probably in my 30s when I was really able to learn how to forgive myself, I was able to forgive them more. So once I could not expect myself to be perfect and not be so hard on myself and learning my own self-love, I could just go, okay, actually, you really were just doing the best you could and maybe you're not capable of more. And not that it's okay, but at least I can understand it more. Yeah. I have a relationship with my mom. I have a, a superficial relationship with my dad. So. I think still challenging at certain times to forgive certain things. Mm -hmm. But you make sure that you don't put it on yourself now. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I think we've talked about in our friendship over the years when my parents were divorcing and I watched, you know, my mom, you know, when my parents divorced, I, I didn't have a relationship with my dad because it just was so volatile and you know, we needed a couple of year break <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and we found our way around, which is, which is good. But I yeah. think with, but as I was going through that with them, perfection became something that I pursued almost subconsciously to make, because then things wouldn't get worse. Or maybe if I, right. if I was perfect, I could make it better. Yeah. We can control it a little we, bit. Exactly. Yeah. So I think when you do release that, even though you don't like some things that happened to you, you're not as weighted down by them. Yeah. 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 And even just sharing more and more, like 
right, different phases of your life and you revisit the story, which is what I love that we get to do. We talked about things when we were 20 and we've talked about them at 25 and 35 and now, you know, mm-hmm. so it's always this different layer of acceptance or appreciation on all sides. And that is really healing, I think. Yeah. The perspective of where they were and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having empathy for them. That was mm-hmm. probably really hard for your mom, you know, to be single yep. and to get remarried. And she probably had a lot of hope when she went into that marriage and then yep. having it not work out and then being back in the same place kind of, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Would have been tough. If there's, okay. So wrapping up, if there was one thing you could ask your mom, what would it be? <sighs> it would be nice for her to maybe have a little bit more awareness of her part in things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know she always did the best she could and I know where her heart is, but there's also not a whole lot of awareness of because I did this, it, it sort of affected you this way or be, I'm sorry that I was in a place where I couldn't help you do certain things because there was some of that too where I kind of had to grow up fast in ways that other kids didn't. And so that just, she was focused on herself as she needed to be, but Mm -hmm. we never really talked about it. Yeah. Never had the heart to heart on it. Yeah. Yeah. She never did a bunch of therapy on her own. Not that she has to, you know, you don't have to spend tons of time to do therapy either to have the, the releases, but yeah. That would have been nice to have a little bit of that. Well, now that's what we have the podcast for because we can make the <laughs> connection, right? We can make the yeah. connection between our mothers and their stories and the impact that it had on our lives and, and find a way to embrace it and yeah. accept it, right? It's for- so amazing what you're doing with this. I mean, Thank where you. it can go and the healing and I've what I've seen you do for your own healing and helping others. I mean, even this conversation with me, heals me in so many ways. So thank you. Yeah, honey. You have a beautiful story you always have, and you've just been always been an inspiration. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our discussion. I'm always blown away by the connection we all have to our past and how often our childhood experiences or memories shape our future in ways we only later will understand. Until next time, stay curious and be well.